Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hi, everyone. This is Richard Gunther. Adam's embarking on a big home project. He's building a home theater, and we will all take part in this with him over a few episodes of The Smart Home Show. We have a panel of experts with us, and in this first episode, we'll discuss the details of the space where he's planning to build out the new theater in his home. In future episodes, we'll talk more about design, lighting, and the AV equipment. We hope you enjoy this special series and maybe pick up some pointers in case you've been thinking about building a home theater of your own. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense, and welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. Hi Richard. Hey Adam, good to talk to you again. And we also have some friends, which we'll introduce in a minute here. This is the first of a series of episodes focused around planning and building a home theater. My home theater in my family's home. And so we've asked some colleagues and some industry experts to help join us and help guide me because I'm, I'm a bit clueless. Yeah, I know a little bit, but I need help for sure. If you've ever considered doing this process yourself, you can learn a little bit along the way. So uh, why don't we go around and introduce some of our guests? Seth, do you want to start? Sure, sure. I, I And I got to say, like, this has been a long time coming. This isn't something that you're just like now deciding to do. I think one of the first times we met, you were like, hey, I want to do a theater one day. I, I've got a basement. I want to put a theater in there. <laughs> so I'm excited we're finally here. Like, it's been years in, in the making. Yes, it's always been part of the dream. Yep, yep. Is that your introduction of yourself, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seth Johnson, I'm with the Home Tech Podcast. And I'm here. I, I guess I've done a lot of theater uh, installs in the past. So um, I have uh, somewhere north of... 30 and under 100 of theaters that we have installed with previous companies that I was with. And I've done a couple of theater designs, kind of the mid-market level, like bonus room type theater things that most guys, I think, here in the States would be involved with if you're a custom integrator and you get a theater job. And then we've done a couple of just like dedicated rooms with sound isolation and all that good stuff between theaters and studios. So I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the construction process. I don't think any of that has changed very much in the past, you know, 10 or 15 years that I've been out of the game, but that's kind of what I bring to the table, I guess. Great. Owen. Uh, hello. I'm Owen Maddock. My company is called Cinema Works. I'm from Bristol in the UK. Helpfully, I guess I've just finished my own home theater. And when I say my own, I mean our showroom. So that's pretty useful. Uh, I'm, quite heavily involved with Cedia. I was their first member of excellence in 2019, which means you achieved certain educational and customer service and kind of craftsmanship milestones. I have been an awards winner and an awards judge. So I've seen an awful lot of home theater installations recently judging the US awards, which was super interesting. Stole a lot of ideas from there. You know, that was really helpful. So yeah, I guess I'm still in the game and um, I'm kind of trying to do this, this sort of the reasonably formal designed way that Cedia teach. And so I go, I owe a debt of gratitude to all my instructors, you know, Peter Ayler, Rich Green, guys like that. Um, more recently, Ben Goff in the UK, who just won Global Theatre. He's been my 
sort of most recent influence in the design stuff. And damn it, he's made me raise my game. So that's been fun. Awesome. And TJ? Yeah, I'm TJ Huddleston. I am one of the co-hosts on the Home Tech uh, FM podcast with Seth there. Um, I own an AV company based in Columbus, Ohio. We do, you know, home theaters and conference rooms and all that kind of normal stuff that an AV company does. So, you know, I've been a part of many home theater projects. Um, so I think that's kind of where I fit into the, the section here. Richard, our listeners obviously know you, but uh, any background experience you want to give? They do. I, I think from the perspective of what I can give to this particular project, I tend to be the grounding voice of realism sometimes and just trying to ensure that everything that somebody's thinking about putting into their home is going to make sense for everybody in their home and is going to provide them with the experience that they're really looking for. So, you know, I'm coming at this from a, um, you know, is this going to work for you kind of perspective. Awesome. Well, we usually open this show with a question. So Richard, do you want to talk about that real quick before we dig into the details? I absolutely would. So uh, my question to you is, what is the most pimped out media space you've ever had before your dreams of a theater? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, ever since I've owned a home, I've had some sort of basic home theater, even predating owning a home. Uh, in college, I got like my first 5.1 setup. Uh, my college roommate and I had a DVD collection that rivaled a small uh, video store. <laughs> and so we were, you know, one of the places to come and, you know, watch movies in college. And then that migrated, you know, as I came to own a home. So our current home, you know, we have a uh, 65 inch. OLED and uh, 5.1 speakers and a receiver. So a pretty decent, you know, setup for a family room. But, you know, once we had kids and, you know, had more people to occupy a space, the wife made me turn the volume down, turn the bass down. You know, couldn't couldn't have like that awesome, full immersive experience. I remember testing like when the first maybe Jurassic Park Blu-rays came out and like shaking our, our first house. <laughs> And, you know, then once the baby showed up, that wa that wasn't happening anymore. <laughs> How about you? Well, I have probably had more powerful systems since. But the one media space that particularly sticks with me is in the first home I owned, where when we renovated, we took a middle bedroom and just turned it into a dedicated media room. Bought a sofa for it that was a sectional and pretty much almost as large as the entire room. It was only an 11 by 11 space, tore the closets out, put all built-ins in there with an entire AV cabinet, a very poorly ventilated AV cabinet for then HTPCs and multiple DVD carousels and amplifiers and all sorts of stuff. And my then bleeding edge Sony 42-inch plasma screen built into shelving that we custom built around it at the front of the room. And then a Bose mini speakers mounted around and that, that whole 5.1 thing. It was 
such a great experience for the small space that we had at the time and the technology that was available. I think I'll probably always remember that. How about some of you other guys here? Uh, TJ. Don't ask Owen. <laughs> Owen's definitely got yeah, the best he, one. He goes last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, my wife and I currently rent right now. Um, so you, we have a pretty basic setup uh, in our living room. We have a 65-inch TV with a, a Sonos Arc and you know Sonos surrounds and a subwoofer. And for the limited movies and TV shows that we watch all the time, you know, it's really good. Um, I think at some point we would like to have a dedicated media room or, or home theater. Um, but I don't think we're going to do anything as, as advanced as maybe Owen or, or Adam will, um, just cause we can't justify it. Um, uh, but that would probably be the most, you know, advanced thing we've done so far. Can I tell you what I've got in my house? <laughs> yeah, probably Bose, isn't that, it? That would probably be a little bit more. Well, no, it's par. even funnier than that. I mean, bear in mind the cinema is, I mean, again, we're British. We have home cinemas, darling. We don't have theatres, but um, <laughs> it's the same basic thing. Um, bear in mind, the cinema's pretty good, but I've got a seven-year-old kitty at home. We live in a small Victorian house. It's like, um, I don't know, like a brownstone, but much, 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 much smaller because it's the UK. And we have a 40-inch TV, and you might have seen Roku did a little soundbar thing called a stream bar. Oh, We've yeah. got one of those, and but the picture was no good, so we upgraded with an Apple TV and left the stream bar in place. It's about it's about £100 worth of audio system. It's proper, proper entry level. <laughs> and that's what I've got at home. You heard it here first, you know. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> We'll we'll let Seth go, and then you can talk about what you set up uh, in your demo room. My setup is 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 one step above Owen's. Um, my wife doesn't actually like the surround sound stuff. Um, she doesn't like hearing sounds come from behind her. I've tried over many of the years to sneak in back speakers from time to time, and just never worked out. But I, I'm I'm hoping maybe with this new more immersive uh, sound fields that are being developed. That might change. I, I don't know. She might still not like hearing sounds come from above her and behind her and that kind of thing. But I pretty much just have a Sonos soundbar and the Sonos subwoofer. And that has actually served us very well between just watching TVs and movies on just a, an LED TV. I've been in many decent home theaters over the years and just with construction projects and homes that I've been in over the... I don't know, 15, 20 years I was being an integrator and had, and wearing that hat. It just kind of comes with the territory there. So I, I can't really point to one in particular that just stood out. We had a pretty good showroom at one of the offices I was at, had the fabric walls and all the good stuff that I think Owen has done, but probably not to the extent or as well done as what Owen has done. So let's go ahead and talk about that because it's, it's amazing. Uh, we, we've got to include pictures with this show somehow. Yeah, that's cool. They're, they're all on the gram. Um, so... My cinema system, it's its fairly mid-priced. So in terms of equipment spec, you know, we've used kind of Anthem amplifiers and Klipsch loudspeakers, the THX horn. So it's not crazy. You know, we're not trying to do the kind of the wisdom audio or the very, very top, top, top of the tree. But basically, I tried to do a £40,000 system as if it was a £200,000 system, pretty much. So I've gone for kind of crazy angles straight out of the Trinov guidelines and then made a feature out of those so it's like a zigzag design all around the sidewalls because it makes it better if you can point the speakers towards the audience guess what you are hearing the speaker do its best and what also happens which is fun is that across the front row the experience is much more even from seat to seat to seat and that was a big goal because if you've got family if you've got friends you want to maximize the experience for all of them right 
so I guess that's that part. And then the cool part is that everyone wants to talk about is the pixel lighting. So we have pixel addressable LED everywhere. We have about 80 meters of tape. So we've got kind of like huge horizontal bars in the ceiling and then up and down the walls. And you can do basically anything. So we've got a scene called Purple Rain because we're children of the 80s and we're pretty cheesy. <laughs> we have, you know, a kid's scene that's kind of flying rainbows, dancing everywhere. My partner in the business who owns a Bristol's best lighting showroom, he's kind of made some requests about having some some red and some kind of dark stuff for watching action stroke horror films. So we put that in there. You know, it's kind of like home cinema meets home nightclub meets whatever you want to do. But then of course, when you're watching film, the correct lighting scene is off, right? You know, so we do that too. Yeah, pretty good uh, combination of people we have here. You know, it's kind of like that old saying where the cobbler's children have no shoes. The uh, <laughs> three people that do this all the time have nothing at home. Absolutely. <laughs> the two people that don't that. do this, you know, they they have great setups at home. So it's interesting to see the different uh, the different angles. That is that is funny. A quick translation for uh, those in the U.S. Uh, Owen, you're talking about a system that basically ran for equipment anyway under. 50k us dollars all good well thank you everybody for sharing that and if you want to submit a question to help us open the show you can send that using hashtag ask adam and richard or send it to feedback at smarthome.fm so i guess i'll kind of lay out some basics and then you know we can get into talking a little bit about the space. I think, you know, that's this will probably be a multiple episode ordeal, but you know, I think we want to talk about some foundational stuff first. And, you know, Owen had asked a really good question, which was like, tell me about how this space is going to be used. Who's going to use it? Who's the audience? How often is it going to get used? And things like that. So the idea behind finishing our basement comes literally uh you know we're we're having this discussion on my son's 13th birthday and one of the things that my family did when i was a teenager was they wanted our house to be the house that people hung out at kind of the the parenting idea that you know when your kids are in your house at least you should have to worry about them a little bit less you you know where they are you know who's there and what's going on so um, as we enter the teenage years of parenting, you know, I think one of our focuses is we'd love to have, uh, you know, a cool basement that kids want to come over, they want to hang out, and it's something that, you know, the kids want to have their friends over and help entertain. So our main focus is going to be on the theater, but some of the other things going on down there, you know, we're going to have kind of an arcade section and room. Uh, I do have two pinball machines and want to do like a four top arcade machine, uh, maybe a claw machine. I, fun fact about me, I'm actually a very skilled claw machine player. So that would be really fun. Is someone um, going to say it? Me. But uh, the, 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 the claw. So my little boy is seven. So I, I've watched yeah. a lot of Pixar stuff. You know? <laughs> very, very familiar with that. I didn't actually want a bar, but, you know, we've more or less sort of ended up with one, just kind of an area for drinks and stuff like that. Some built-in seating, an area to play ping pong. We're also very serious about ping pong in our family and stuff like that. And then obviously the theater being something that I've always wanted to do. Obviously, you know, from meeting Seth very early, I was like, someday we're going to do this. Originally, we wanted to build a house. So we built our first house. 
with a builder and we went out with the intention of wanting to build a house. Then the realtor was like, well, just go look at a couple houses. And we saw this house, fell in love with it. There's some aesthetic things we don't love about it, colors, fit and finish. But like one of the one of the things that we loved was that the basement was totally unfinished. It has like 11 or 12 foot ceiling. So it's very deep and there's a lot of space to work with. I think it's like a 1800 square foot basement. So that was kind of always in the back of our mind that someday, you know, we'll get to take on this project and really, at least for that part of the house, be able to really make it our own, our own colors and aesthetic and and how we want it. So from a theater perspective, you know, the users of it will be mainly my family. So my wife and I, and then our kids are, I mentioned 13 today. Uh, We have a 10 year old and then a five year old daughter. So, you know, I think something that we did very heavily during COVID was a lot of like family movie watching. So I would think it would be used for that as well as any sort of major events or, you know, new movies or, you know, having things over. Obviously, what I mentioned, you know, the kids having friends over watching movies, things like that. I Like I'm a sports fan, but I'm not like a diehard football fan or anything like that. So. I would think, you know, major sporting events we would do there, but uh, sporting, I would put sporting lower on the list for um, uses of the theater. Primary use definitely will be movies and TV. Secondary is gaming. Me and both my older boys do game a fair amount. So that's something that as we pick projectors and stuff, it doesn't have to be totally tailored for gaming, but I want to at least be mindful of that so that when we do use it, it's like usable. So that's kind of the the general overview. What questions or comments do you guys have on the, the basic concept? Um, just simple, practical thing. Um, how good is your internet coming in? Um, very good. So yeah, we have Comcast cable here in the States. Uh, we pay for gigabit internet. It's very... For the most part, very good and very reliable. We upgraded to gigabit right before COVID, and I actually negotiated to have unlimited bandwidth in February 2020, which strangely enough came in very handy. But yeah, as we moved to gigabit and started streaming like 4K stuff, we were just blowing through our bandwidth cap like crazy. So yeah, so it's it's pretty good. I mean, I would... I've never met a, an, an internet connection fast enough that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is faster than I need. Like, I'd always take more, but uh, it's pretty good. Now, I, I know you were a big uh, physical media fan back in the day. Um, are you still planning on using any physical media like Blu-rays or anything like that? Not really. I mean, you guys can shame me back into it, but part of this project along the way of getting here, we've been working with a home organizer for about a year now and last October the basement was like the final frontier and the like the worst part of that project. So in October my wife and I literally took a week off of work. We rented a 30-yard dumpster uh which which we filled and we went through <laughs> everything in our basement. Um our kids were like 2 and 4 when we moved here and so and we both were working full time like we just didn't have time to go through stuff. So we had so much everything. I mean, stuff from college, stuff from previous house. So when we were doing that, a lot of my old physical media, like, just trashed it, unfortunately. 
it was a little bit sad. And I'm like, if I could go back and tell 18 year old me, I'd be like, don't, don't buy it. Just rent it. <laughs> like it's not going to matter. So no, no, no. See, 18 year old me, I would have the opposite problem. I had the blockbuster card and, uh, and I would go rent movies and then I would not return them. <laughs> And and the blockbuster <laughs> yeah. the yeah. blockbuster rental that should have been like five bucks was now twenty five thirty so I was like, forget this I'm just gonna buy them because I'm not responsible enough to bring them back and I can just keep them. Yep. So three three or four hundred movies later uh, DVDs later I I still have them they're in the other room and yeah there's a reason I kind of point that way with my camera because everywhere else is pretty <laughs> much exactly as you describe Adam and it's it, like an I old blockbuster. To, yeah, yeah, I need to get a um, a 30-yard dumpster for this garage, for sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to shame you, but as someone who's got, you know, one of the better facilities, certainly in the southwest of, of England, um, I use my Blu-ray player. I've been open five months, right? I use my Blu-ray player for the first time today because, very unusually, the internet just threw a slight fart during a demo, and I went, ah, let's see what's in the Blu-ray. And literally, it's got a Dolby Atmos demo disc in there. So I just went over to that and finished the demo. And before that... It was all just Apple because everything's just there. And the only possible suggestion I might throw in there is either if one of your gaming things can play Blu-ray or yes. if you want to get a very, very affordable Blu-ray machine, have one anyway, because what about if you're either between internet providers and there's a couple of days delay or if they just have a problem? Mm. What are you going to do? We can't use the theatre because there's no internet. I think... Spend a modest amount, maybe just hedging for that. And if it's already in a PlayStation or whatever, then even better. I mean, you want to have an apocalypse-proof theater, right? You want to make sure that uh, if you can run it on the generator if you need to without your internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that- just you've got the kind of the automatic guns outside for the zombies, and it's it's just fine. You know, you can watch the films. <laughs> the one thing I did keep some of was um some of my blu-rays and like some of the like more collector level blu-ray discs of you know all the star wars stuff and yeah they'll come out again yeah but i mean those like i they'll figured put walkie were, talkies where they should have uh blasters <laughs> right. you never know what they're gonna do um but yeah so i kept some of those and uh yeah certainly uh i think we have both the disc version of a ps5 and I think there's a Blu-ray player in the newest Xbox too. So whatever gaming wise we decide to go down there, um, we'll have some, some Blu-ray capabilities. Perfect. So you can Um, hedge that at zero cost. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, my probably primary intention is to, I'm a heavily Apple guy, you know, do the latest Apple TV 4k. This could be a whole topic later, but I went a little bit down the rabbit hole of like the high end, high bit uh you know streaming media stuff and and that's an expensive world the kaleidoscape player yeah 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 it's i mean it's not terrible it's not as bad as it used to be i guess i should say but i can't remember it's 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 the player is not a 300 hundred dollar player though it's probably like 10 no or more times yeah it's it's way more maybe like five thousand i'll just throw a number out there i have no idea for some, is yeah, it more? I, I <laughs> yeah. thought it was yeah. in the five digits. I mean, and just for yeah. some context for people who don't know what we're talking about, the Kaleidoscope, Kaleidoscape is essentially a high definition movie jukebox. And because of <laughs> many lawsuits that they faced and all kinds of uh, problems with licensing, they're now kind of a hybrid between a streaming model 
and a physical playback machine. But uh, it it's a really nice way of accessing movies. And certainly it was revolutionary in its time before we all had stuff like call up anything that you want on Plex or Netflix or, you know, name this favorite service. Okay, so the Terra Movie Server six terabyte is five thousand dollars, or you can get the twelve terabyte for seven, eight thousand dollars. But what they do, what they you can buy movies on the thing for like I don't know, I think they're like forty to sixty dollars. Yeah, you probably need a player on top of it too. Yeah, you're probably right. So that's another four. So yeah, you're up to seven thousand dollars pretty yeah. easy. Anyway, we're um, getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the that's movies the, that's are the nature of these things. Are as close as you can get. So, um, yeah. I borrowed a Kaleidoscape for launch weekend. I just want to shout out my friend Stuart Burgess who lent me that for the launch because they're such cool things. They were really they great. Are cool. Um, <laughs> but Again, we're trying to do a mid-price cinema that's kind of punching above its weight. There's just no way. Um, over here, they're £12,000 because of, you know, the normal bringing things across from America issues. Stick with the Apple and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get your Plex, Plex server well, going. And the real benefit of the Kaleidoscape is movies before they come out on DVD or, or streaming services, right? No, so it's like... It's like- 4K I know it's 60. an all-in-one movie service. Higher yeah. bitrate, 4K60, 444. Yeah, yeah. Right. Very good stuff. HDR, like you would not believe. We were watching it on that projector. You're, you're, well, we'll get down there. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Very good. So any other questions that we need to kind of answer about Adam's space? I want to know more about users because I understand about the family and I understand that there's five of you and I understand that obviously kids have little friends and they all kind of pile back potentially after school. Is there any other? Is there any, are, are, you, are your friends coming down there? I mean, the obvious one is, I guess, for you people, um, the Super Bowl and are the boys going to be in there with a beer each watching the, the Super Bowl? And is that why you want more than five seats? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, you know, we do want more than five seats and given the space we have to work with, I think the numbers I gave people was like six to 12. And then it's like, do we want nine theater seats and then like some beanbag chairs? Or do you want some like seating in the back? You know, I went into this thinking I had this grand empty pallet for a basement. And then as we started talking to various designers and stuff, what really sucks is like there's all these little things that we have to work around. There's plumbing things and, you know, other, you know, issues. And so really there were only two places in the entire basement where a theater made sense. And so, you know, you're looking at pretty standard, you know, rectangular room and somewhat limited in space just based on where it can go and, and things like that and where a projector would go, doors, you know, aisleways, that kind of stuff. So I would say where I'm thinking right now and kind of current designs is maybe nine seats, three rows of three. But um, certainly interested to hear what you guys think, too. Follow up question, please. How often how often are the guys going to come around and are you going to like sit around and probably drink and talk and watch? Is that, you know, is that kind of so many times a month? Is that twice a year? Because I think the frequency of this kind of matters in terms of where you put budget and where you put space. Because if it's if it really is once a year at Thanksgiving, that's one thing. But if it's kind of all the time, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I would say primarily, I would say it's going to be the five of us or the kids and their friends most of the time. And everything else 
is going to be more of a every once in a while where we would truly kind of fill the space. But nothing, you know, no regular, you know, 10 people in the space kind of things that I can think of. You're not hanging out every weekend for football. No. You, you mentioned like a, a bar area that's kind of outside of that. Do you have a plan to put like a TV out there to watch a game on? Because yeah, yeah. So typically that's, I find that's where people congregate where you can stand and talk and just right. kind of see that in the background. Yep. So yeah, the uh, the bar area definitely will have like a 50 to 60 something inch TV. Um, we'll probably just do a Sonos arc out there. Maybe even some Sonos throughout the basement if we want to have music on or, you know, something else. I think that would be a good fit for that potentially. But um, but yeah, so there will be sort of that overflow space if there is a big event that we could have, you know, a Super Bowl or whatever on the TV out there as well as in the theater. I've got a suggestion. I might be too early. So if, if I'm messing with the kind of the flow of the show, then tell me off and we can stop and I'll come again. <laughs> I think the layout that you've got so far is is wrong for what you've described and partly because of the way you've described it in terms of life flow, but mostly because of the way physics is. Because you've got three quite big rows front to back and in a room that's relatively narrow and relatively long. So the two things that happen is I'm sure that the viewing experience for the back row is slightly pointless. It's too small. You might as well be out in that bar area watching on a TV because, you know, the, the viewing angle, kind of how big it seems, it doesn't matter if it's 50 foot wide and very, very far away or if it's 10 foot wide and quite close to you. The viewing angle is how much of your field of vision it takes up. And on that back row at the moment, just based on the amount of space you've got, that's not cinema at all. That is a television that happens to be, and not a very big one, that happens to be made out of projector stuff. And the way round it, I think, because I don't think we should tell you to have less people, because I don't think that's fair, is actually do what I did in the theatre that I've that I've built, but to get that back row and instead use high seats, bit of a console table, you can spend a lot less, get some quite comfy yeah. barstool type things with backrests and with armrests and so on. It's really perfect for that guys watching the Super Bowl scenario because you know, we're boys, we're a little bit fragile, right? So we don't like to sit too close to each other because we're pathetic. Um, <laughs> so we want our own seat. <laughs> um, and then also, in service of getting more people in, I think one of your front two squashy rows, especially given your children and given how old they are and given that one of them's only five, don't put the armrests in one of them. Have more of a kind of sofa type idea because that could be anything then. That could be three grown-ups, that could be four grown-ups who like each other, and that could be a whole bunch of children. And so you can get more seats in that way. But what's nice is they can be closer to each other. So everyone gets a pretty good experience that's more within, you know, Lucasfilm THX guidelines, the new CD RP22 guidelines that I promised I'd plug when I came on this show because I'm on the working group writing them. <laughs> I think that will be better. But And the final thing is in terms of sound, because those speakers in the front have a long way to travel to that initial back row as it's designed. And if you bring it all forward a bit, you've got a lot less far to go, which means, you know, don't forget the inverse square law, right? So as the distance doubles, the sound power drops to a quarter of what it was. So that back row is a long way from the screen speakers. If you bring it forward, it's going to be better. It's going to be more consistent for all the people. And it's just a case of whether you can get your head around that. Because if it's not what you have in mind, it's not what you want in your gut feel, 
Well, go with your gut always, but I'm throwing that out there. See if you like it. I'm going to say, let's put some context around that. Cause I, I love everything that you just said, but I don't think that we've shared beyond this group, what kind of space Adam's looking at, right? So Adam, can you describe the space that you plan on occupying with the theater? So what are the dimensions of this space then? I don't know that I know them offhand. I don't know if they were on any. I know I shared some of the like mock-ups and stuff with you guys. Did it have any measurements on oh, it? Do you have that information? I made notes of them mainly because I was translating them to metrics. So I'm really sorry, everyone. <laughs> that's um, okay. We should be well, talking in metrics anyway. <laughs> we only do freedom wow. units here. So <laughs> sorry, sir. <laughs> so I think the room is about eight and a half meters long. And I think it's a, just over four meters wide. So very roughly kind of working to kind of three foot a meter. So you're talking... 24, 25 feet long and Probably about 13 uh, feet wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, which is a great size. Nice you know, space. It's good, but it's, but it's yeah. on the long side, I think. So I think the back row shouldn't be as far back as it is. You can measure that in HDMI cables, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think to your point about like a back row, that was something we've talked about with some of the designers and kind of the current concept has like some walkway back there and so it didn't really allow for that but i do like the idea of having like some bar stool chairs in the back and like a little bit more casual of an area or even if like a lot of people wanted to be in there people could just stand up you know you have like a little bit of a counter space you could you know have a drink on there or some food something like that so i do like that concept in general and I do think that might be worth considering for a back row. I know we're primarily a podcast and I'm looking at a picture that TJ shared, but what are we looking at there? Is that is that like, I see there's stairs on the left-hand side where you come down from upstairs. Is that how you walk into the theater or is that how you walk into the new entire yeah. space that you're... Yeah, the current kind of concept is that you would come down the stairs. They're going to cut out the wall on the other side of the stairs. So that'll be like open to the other side of the basement. Okay. And at the bottom of the stairs, you'll have a doorway on the left, which will lead to the theater. And then just beyond that will be like the arcade area and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then the picture that we're looking at has what appears to be a utility space at the back. Presumably that would be cordoned off from this. Well, obviously that would be cordoned off from this room. Is there separate access to that or does there need to be access to that from this space i don't remember what uh in the concepts if there was a closet in the theater to get to that or the closet might actually be on the outside area but either way there's there's a way to access that that's like that's our water main so um you kind of need, kinda need to deal with that you could just drywall it off you don't need that <laughs> Only once a year when they turn on the sprinkler system, it's fine. <laughs> just redo drywall every year. And maybe right, you want to change your filters periodically, too. That's also a good idea. So then is the idea that the screen is near where you would walk into the room? Or when you walk into the room, you'd be looking down the room toward the screen? Yes. Yeah, so the, 
the the current concept is that the screen would be closest to the door where you walk in. Worth noting, there is going to be another entrance in the back as well. So kind of back behind the stairs is where the rough-in plumbing is. So there will be a bathroom back there. You know, one of the concepts somebody showed us, like you had to go through this whole maze of the basement to get into the theater. And so I think we did like the idea of like a dual entrance worth discussing. And maybe we need to have that door swing out into the common area, not into the theater, because I do want to maximize screen size too. And so I would like to probably use most of that back wall for a screen. So we just have to kind of see what makes sense there. Yeah, I, I finally found the plan that you shared with us earlier. But So this picture is taken from the, the angle of this picture, looking back towards the mechanical area. We're basically standing where the screen would be against that wall and looking down through the theater. Yes. Yeah. All right, but we're probably talking way too much to pictures that people aren't hearing. Can't see. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to. A lot of you know, we're doing a theater. It's all visual except for part of it. So it's a rectangular space and a long space, and and that kind of sets the uh, a better understanding for Owen's recommendations there. Oh, I've got another one. Thank you. I just when I saw the picture, it kind of because um, I think fundamentally there's a, a slight issue in that we've got an amount of space to play with and we've got an amount of people to try and get in without spoiling the experience. One thing that I do sometimes and some of my integrator friends do more often, there was a great job really near me in, in the city of Bath. If you Google big cinema, small space, Bath UK, you'll probably find the case study. Um, they used commercial... Th- cinema chairs because as long as you know people are a reasonable kind of size you'll get a couple or at least one extra person in there but still with that lovely separation and armrest and drink holder and so on and you can get some quite luxury ones of those so that could be quite cool in terms of another person sitting down in decent reclining comfort but without you know fortress chairs or the ones in my cinema they're pretty big so I think one way to sort of maximize the usability of those front two rows would be maybe one should be kind of a bench sofa style seat and maybe one of them could be, and I mean could, it's just a, an option for you, not in the luxury cinema space, but more in the kind of the nice end of the contract auditorium space. Oh, but then um, how do you, you feel like you're sitting nice in the stuff. captain's chair? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's it. I mean... <laughs> it's just options for people you know yeah 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 Yeah, i mean i think it's something we'll have to play around with a little bit and see what makes the most sense obviously we can talk about theater seating more later or we can talk about it now but yeah i i do think you're right like most of that theater seating full recline all that kind of stuff a it's very expensive and b like it does take up a lot of room so like the the current plan had like nine of those in it. Um, but then, yeah, that's all you can fit there. So I think it's worth uh, exploring some other options too. Personally, I, I don't like to walk into the front where the screen is, but it, it can happen. But if you like, if you have people over, they're going to open up that door there while you're trying to watch the game or watch a movie and it's, it's going to spoil the experience rather than entering at the back of the theater. If you flip this whole room around and you've got that little stubby wall at the end there, with the other entrance to the theater, 
Is that a must-do thing, or is it possible to flip this with what you're planning to do, or or not? Could you make that wall all the way across and put speakers behind it and have a big speaker area? I don't know. Um, Potentially. I think probably if we were going to do that, we would probably lose some of the space on the theater because we would have to do a hallway back there to get to storage and stuff. So that's sort of one of the other things we're working with is that directly behind that area is that's all your be, mechanical. That's yeah. all your mechanical. That's where our main like unfinished storage area is going to be. So we do need a way to get to that. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I like the idea <laughs> of being able to like exit out the back to get to the, uh, to get to the bathroom. But yeah, I mean, it, it might be worth playing with a little bit to see if that concept made sense. Cause I agree with you. I didn't love the idea of somebody walking in there and I definitely would have them probably look into having that door swing out, not in just to get optimal screen size. But uh, yeah, all, all things worth considering. So does that then impact any other aspect of laying out this room? If this is your primary and perhaps only access to your mechanical space, because that says to me that there's the possibility that if you have contractors in that need to work on your HVAC or that need to replace one of those units, they're literally going to be dragging it through your theater and have you provide them with enough easement to do that. Right. Yeah, that was taken into consideration. And obviously all the big doorways to get to that are big enough that you could get stuff through there. But if we did maybe consider getting rid of like having a hallway to get to that stuff instead, then, you know, then you take that out of the consideration for for the theater area. Right, but now you're talking about a 9 to 10 foot wide space which is a significantly different situation. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, these these are the things that as I I went down this rabbit hole were less exciting because you're you you think you have this infinite palette and I have this really cool area on my home where um we have an office that has like a curvature to the home and that curve exists in the basement too, which I always thought would be really neat to be like a feature in a theater, but there's like main sewer lines that are right by that curve. And so it totally takes that out of the running for any theater space being in that area. So I'm like, come on. Yeah. So yeah, it is what it is. You were asking about screen size. Uh, Do any of y'all have recommendations for a screen size for a room of these dimensions? Owen definitely does. Owen, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to just highlight an issue because... And this is an issue, actually, when it comes to specifying your picture system and also specifying your amp system. And it's this. Manufacturers kind of lie. I'm not going to name any because, you know, litigation, whatever. But, for example, this projection device, it can do this many lumens and it can do this much color accuracy. They're not saying it can do both things at the same time. The (laughs) calibrated output of any given display device is going to be a lot less than the lumens figure on the box that you might use to do your screen brightness calculation tread carefully 
I had a guy drive two hours to see me this morning to look at basically Sony 5000, Sony 7000 projectors. He had quite big screen aspirations and we played him some stuff and he did the right thing and he bought the big one. So fantastic. But yeah, tread carefully until you've seen it because a classic end user unfortunate mistake is that they kind of, they'll Google some stuff and go, oh yeah, that's got a good reputation. I'm going to buy that one. And then they will go, and I want to blow it up this big, but it's a torch with a set light output. And as you calibrate that and make it accurate, you reduce the amount of light available and nobody likes a washed out picture. So you want a bright punchy picture. So it's one of those ones where what you think you want, but if, especially if we're working to a bit of a budget here, and I think nearly all of us are right. So tread carefully with that. And similarly, Many, many AV receivers say, I can do this many watts, and it's not lying. But if you look at the spec sheet, it's saying one channel driven. And that's really close to lying because (laughs) in surround sound, more than one channel is going at one time, right? And this is a problem for designers. We have to try and be honest and say, well, this is in engineering terms what you're really going to get. Otherwise, the theatre's done, you spent the money, and it's a little bit underwhelming. And then we failed. We failed everyone. We failed the clients and you don't love it and you go out and do something else instead. And that's just a shame. So these are some of the pitfalls, I think, along the way. Because looking at and knowing some of the devices that are in contention, you're going to hit this. Yeah, good to know. And, you know, I think something I want to be mindful of both budget-wise and design-wise is like I want to design for something that's going to last, you know, 10, 20 years. So the things that get installed, I want to have that kind of longevity. I guess that also includes like screen size and things like that. Like those are things you're not going to want to change very often. And then, you know, there are other things that I think can and probably will be upgraded as technology and things progress. So projector, uh, maybe, you know, receiver, some of that kind of stuff as technology marches on those might get an upgrade from time to time. So I think that's something I'm trying to be mindful of too, is like, let's put money into the things that are not going to change. And we're not going to want to modify a lot over time. And then I want nice things of those, you know, things that might upgrade, but I'm mindful that those are things that may change out over the years. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's very easy to upgrade to a bigger, more powerful amplifier and as well along the way it will be probably 8k by then and the hdmi spec will be on version 703 and so on (laughs) that's that's a really quick job whereas you know the speakers are behind the screen or probably they'll end up behind some kind of fabric that's really not a quick job then because you've got to take all the stuff and the screen away and then do the speakers and then put it all back together again so yeah forever speakers i think is good forever screens i think is good if you can Yeah. And so let's talk about that as a topic. I think it's a good one to transition into. I have a little bit of experience in this, uh, in that I helped my father piece together a basic theater. They bought a lake house in in the pandemic uh, nearby here, about an hour away. And um, we did not have any of these conversations. And uh, when it came time to pick home theater stuff, I was so mad at my father because including like he put outlets in for a projector 
without like even doing like basic this is where the projector goes for this <laughs> like size measurement. screen. And like, yeah. <laughs> it, Those number sticks get you I, every time. Yeah. <laughs> I love my father, but he, he is known to put his head down and plow through tasks sometimes without thinking about the ramifications, including like we had no way to do like in ceiling or rear speakers. And like, it was, it was a whole mess, but we got to something very, very good. But one of the things we ended up doing because of the limited wall space that he had was we did an acoustically transparent screen and we put the speakers behind the screen. So I do have some experience with that. And I do like that concept because it gives you the ability to have a bigger screen. And when I go to the movies here in the States, like I like to go to some of the best theaters I can. So that standard is you know, IMAX stuff, the Dolby, the Dolby Cinema Theater stuff. And so, yeah, I, I always think back to the IMAX demo where they show the lights behind the screen and you could see all the individual speakers and stuff like that. So it definitely uh, plays on that nostalgia for me, too. That um, and, and I think it just works well, you know, that, you know, you the sound comes from the right places and, you know, it, it gives her a nice immersive experience. So basically the speakers themselves are hidden behind the screen that lets the sound through, but it still looks like a normal projector and the speakers are invisible. Right. Well, and definitely in the space that you have here, you're, you're going to want to do the, the speakers behind the screen um, because you're going to be able to maximize your screen size and you'll be able to clean up some of that clutter. Um, I think one of the, the things that was on your list was, you know, like in-wall subwoofers, uh, you know, in-wall uh, speakers behind the screen. So a lot of that stuff is going to help you uh, add more stuff to the room without it being cluttered everywhere. So it's definitely a good option. <laughs> Owen and I are probably looking at the same thing now. So, <laughs> Software recommendation. It's a program called Roomy Q Wizard. Uh, it's written by a guy called John Mulcahy, which, who 20 years ago was the technical director at the audio manufacturer I was working for. And he went off to do other crazy boffin stuff, but he kept his hand in. And so he's written what is effectively the reference program, certainly for UK integrators. I don't know about the US as much. It allows you to model subwoofer placement in a room. Look at where you've got the seats and look at how even or otherwise the base is. Ah. And the results are surprising. Now, the caveat is it's assuming almost a perfect concrete rectangle, right? And you haven't got one. It's going to be made of drywall and stud and stuff. But the modeling is going to give you a good approximation of where the standing waves are, where it all adds up. So add that into some of what Floyd Toole says in his book, which you can need to go and buy and buy the third edition of loudspeakers and rooms by, by Floyd tool, because actually, well, it's not that people get this wrong well, it is, but everyone puts the sub between left and center and center and right. And the problem is that's more right sometimes than it is in other scenarios. There are other places to put your subs and they may work better in the space that you've got with the seating layout that you want. So it's worth downloading the program using the room simulator and playing with it. I feel that's, quite a, out. that's quite a fun right thing. Now. Say again? I say I feel called out right now. <laughs> Richard, I, is... I've been working in the industry for <laughs> yeah. 20 years before I started doing that. So don't feel bad. I should feel bad. You know, it's, yeah. I've heard of uh, like the crawl where you basically crawl around to determine where the, the sound is best based on a, like a, a central location. And then that's actually where you want the subwoofer to go. But uh, I didn't know that you could actually calculate it with math. 
you're looking for peaks and troughs, but do, are, we, are we good on how standing waves are, on how they work? You let's may want to to those listening. Yeah, yeah. let's assume yes. we need some help. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, many, many, many years ago, I was a bang average guitar player, right? And I still know roughly what you do. And on a guitar string, you have harmonics. So you can put your finger right on the 12th fret, which is the halfway point between the tuning bit and the other bit. And if you put your finger right there, you get a standing wave, which is at double the frequency. So in other words, right at that center point on that wave, which corresponds to the length of our room, nothing is moving and the string is oscillating around it. So you get a great big resonant area at the quarter point and you get another great big resonant at the other quarter point. In fact, if you just go onto Wikipedia and Google standing waves, that's probably worth um, <laughs> worth doing as well, because then there'll be pretty pictures, right? There is another standing wave that you can create a third the way which corresponds to seventh fret on a guitar. Just put your finger literally on the string. And then again at the fifth fret, which is the quarter point, and you'll get these various harmonics. Well, standing waves are harmonics basically for a room and they correspond to the length, the width and the height. And different frequencies will have different standing waves, which means for certain notes, certain low bass notes, it helps you to locate your seats because you need to keep them out of the areas of cancellation. Otherwise, you'll find that in some seats, at some notes, there's no bass. Where's it all gone? And uh, at uh. other seats, you'll go, holy crap, that note, that threw me. That was way too loud, where you're standing right in the peak area. So knowing all this stuff, you can intelligently place seats and you can intelligently place subwoofers to create more even bass, which is what we want. We can have a seat for my wife in the cancellation zone because she doesn't <laughs> like too much bass. <laughs> Hundred percent, and weirdly, yeah. this doesn't. This, this only happens, and this is. I'm basically just paraphrasing Floyd Tool. So people who are reading this are going, "Oh, Ian, this isn't you." I know this isn't original. Um, <laughs> this is this is from Doctor Tool and his research from Harman Labs in the '90s, pretty much, because um, he pioneered all this. Domestic rooms are the problem in a big movie theater, or in a nightclub, or in a concert hall. Bass notes just hang there happily, and you can listen to them. And in really small spaces where we listen to music, you know, cars the bass notes just fall out again. And that's why when that kid drives past playing his tunes, you can hear it, right? Because if the bass notes fall straight out of the car and straight into my house, you know, that's, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> so it's only in home cinemas that we get this issue. And that's why you have to sort of learn a bit more physics than you were hoping to have to do. Um, so that'll be fun, I guess. Yeah. Because armed with those tools, you can place your seats a bit better. Might be a good time to touch on soundproofing. Yes. Yeah, that that's where I was kind of looking with all these in-wall speakers and in-wall subwoofers and then seeing just standard frame 2x4 walls on your on, on that we have here and I'm like that's you're going to hear your theater in the next room and it's going to rattle whatever paintings you have on the wall right <laughs> off. So yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about goals for soundproofing. I always would say that my goal was to be able to go in the theater, crank it up to 11 and uh, not have anybody elsewhere in the house be the wiser. As I've learned more about what all is involved, I would say I am fine with occupants of the basement knowing that there's something playing. Like if you're downstairs, like that's fine. But I definitely want to shield some of the rest of the house upstairs primarily so that you know if there are kids sleeping or there's stuff going on upstairs like it's not so i would summarize that into saying i want to do the practical things that make sense without going to like 
the 100% solution that involves building a fully isolated room and you <laughs> room know within a room. Uh, yeah because as as i've learned like the the costs of really doing a properly soundproof room are you know you just throw the entire budget into building the room so you know in in terms of practicality i want to do what makes sense and maybe a little bit of extra steps to ensure success but we're not going to go too crazy in this this aspect thoughts owen yeah, so and Seth, please come in because I know that you are because you were live sound, right? So you will have a slightly different perspective, but as much knowledge as me, if if not more. So you know, don't let me uh, talk too much. Couple of thoughts. Um, one is that just mass is your friend. So you know, yes, we can't build a room within a room, but for example, a second layer of drywall that's unbelievably helpful, and especially if you offset the boards. So you put one lot on, and then you put the next lot a foot along. That will super help. Um, second thought is it's a bit like a swimming pool. You know, one leak, hmm. no good. You know, because then everything gets through. And I don't... Mechanical probably, leaks too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no one thinks about that. But your, 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 your heating vents will be speakers in other rooms, you know, because they passed over the theater and you're compressing that area and you sealed everything up except you didn't think about the vents and the sound goes right in them. Right upstairs and plays whatever you're playing in the theater right out the, the vents. One of those not great features of what we're looking at, if you want to look at that picture again, is the main trunk line of the entire HVAC system runs right over the area where we're going to build the theater. So, Right. And your air handler will be behind the, the theater as well. So uh, you're not just keeping sound in, you're also trying to keep sound out. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. You just want to make sure that you don't touch the drywall to the, <laughs> to the, to the, 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 the mechanical there, you know, insulated or, you know, just make sure it physically doesn't touch. And that's really all you can do for, for the, for the kind of sound isolation we're talking about. What, what Owen's talking about too, you can use the, the green glue. I don't know if you've run across that in your studies. Um, yep. there's, buckets of that stuff that you can get and you paint it in between it. And that, that really does help with the lower frequencies. The drywall is going to help you with the high frequencies and, and canceling those out. But the lower frequencies are going to escape straight through that drywall. The waves are just too big. The, the power is too, just too much. And the rattles are going to be heard. Soundproofing is a science in and of itself. It's, it's tough to do right. And I remember I did a studio on top of a garage once and we did all this stuff. And like floating walls, floating floors, floating ceilings, room in a room. We had three ISO booths in there for recording amplifiers for the guitars. And somebody came home one day and pressed the button for the garage door opener. And you just hear, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> never thought of that. Never thought of isolating. I mean, all, you just had to go down and isolate the garage door hangers and, and the, all that, that equipment. But it's just like spent all this money and time in this one room and never thought that the garage doors motors would rattle the whole room around. You know how the ceilings are high. I mean, I, I'm thinking and I'd have to look a bit harder into it and I'd. I, Disclaimer, I'm not familiar with US-style HVAC stuff at all. But my thinking is that maybe with that main airline, there should be maybe a big gap between that and the ceiling. And maybe yeah. there should be another ceiling, even if there can't be a full room within a room. Maybe there should be two. I think that would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'm going to chuck in there is just doors. 
and because many doors are super hollow two doors is amazing but also um the seals around the doors themselves will make an enormous difference so a lot of this is just in if you read books about how to build recording studios it's the same logic at this point you just want to keep the sound out you know yeah at one point one of the designs had like a sliding door in it and i was like that ain't gonna fly like that's just a rattle (laughs) rattle waiting to happen Yeah, and there's a couple other smaller things you can do as well while you're building it. Um, they make the that pink uh, insulation that you put on like the out, you know, in your walls. They make some noise cancellation of that. That does a, a decent enough job. It's not going to do it by itself. But they also make a soundproof barrier shield as well that you can put underneath the drywall or in between drywall layers. So if you're going to double up on your drywall, it might be a good idea to add that as well. And you put that basically just right on top of the ceiling. You put another piece of drywall on top of it, and that'll kind of help with that sound going up as well. So there's a lot of different things like that. Yeah, the main things that have been in discussion so far have been what's called rock wool insulation, which I think is a more dense insulation. And then the green glue was the other one that came up as a as a good way to to do that as well. But yeah, I like your idea, Owen, of uh, particularly trying to add some extra layers to the ceiling. Cause I think to me, that's only also from, from the HVAC threat, as well as that's the main area I'm concerned about isolating is, you know, a lot of sound getting upstairs. Isolating HVAC can be done. You just, you have to isolate the vents coming into the room, which there's, there's a method to that madness. And there's little box, quiet boxes that you can, I think they even make them or you can buy them, or they can just be constructed out of sheet metal and, and insulation. I mean, like the, uh, what's it called, fiberboard, fairly easily enough, but it, it's it all has to be kind of figured out by a mechanical HVAC engineer to make sure the airflow is right through it and that kind of thing. What TJ's talking about with that that rubber, I think it's like a rubber membrane, That those work really well. Uh, they use those a lot in... Uh, in apartments, uh, between condos and that kind of thing where they have a shared wall and you'll see that run back and forth. A lot of times they will stagger the stud frame. So it kind of like weaves in and out between them, um, just to provide a little bit more isolation between the, uh, the units. So there's, there's lots of stuff you can do. Rock wool, by the way, is really good stuff. It's worth yeah. knowing that it comes in different densities. Mm. So that one that's more expensive, the guy is not trying to have you over. That is the stuff that you want. Actually, you want the stuff that's yeah. higher mass, higher density. So when you're looking around to the different grades, and again, they'll, I, I'm sure they will market them differently over there. Yeah, get the heavier stuff. It's absolutely worth it. And budget more trips as well too, to pick, go and pick, pick it up. And all those outlets you have lined around all the walls, those are little holes that the sound goes through. <laughs> so you want to patch, uh, make sure you fireproof, basically use the fireproof stuff on the back of them and you can seal up the boxes. They make these little sheets you just kind of like putty on. There's all sorts of little tricks of the trade you can that somebody who knows how to soundproof can get in there and do. And just make sure that the, the energy doesn't transfer from one plane to the other, like from one... When you when you when you're vibrating an entire wall with a speaker, that whole plane is is what you have to worry about. So that's wild. Like outlets and switches, I wouldn't even think about that. But it's the same sort of thing, like when you're trying to protect a space from letting the cold or the heat in or out, right? Like just about, yeah. You, you need to make sure all of that stuff is insulated. It's it's a transfer of energy, really. I mean, yeah. one way or another, that's what it is. Yeah, that's wild. Anything else on the space? 
Yeah, I think because I think we're pretty, we've done quite a good job, I think, of, you know, collecting a brief or doing the sort of overall, here's what we'd like to do, except, and I'm probably the, the newest to the to the gang here, but I want to know more about the style that you'd like it to be. I want to know about how you'd like it to feel and colours and lighting ideas and stuff, because I think you should set this early because it's something to shoot for. Can I hold you on that? Yeah, man. All right. Let's take a quick break for sponsors, and then we'll return for some more smart home discussion. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year. And he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. All right. So... Oh, and you wanted to dive more now into design and lighting and stuff. So why don't you kind of frame this up for uh, the big next questions? Cool. I reckon there's only a few broad styles of of home cinema. Um, So this kind of ultra modern like I've got, or this kind of really quite retro and classic, uh, which I'm in the process of doing for a client. And then I think the third one is kind of themed. You know, it might be about something and it might be about a a favorite film or a favorite team or some sort of theme that's personal to you. But what I really want to know is you've probably got something in your head, in your imagination about how you want this room to be, how you want it to look and feel, maybe even some colors. And I want you to tell us what they are. Yeah. Great way to frame it. And I feel like I'm going to disappoint Richard because uh, I'm, I'm going to eliminate theme off the gate. I've seen not the only one you're disappointing. I know. (laughs) I've I've seen those really cool like Star Wars themed ones, and they got lightsabers along the walls and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think you know, for me, I want this to be timeless, very generic, and a space that everybody wants to use. Like, also entering the teenage era, like. I could see a, a themed room being very cringy to the kids and something they wouldn't want to take their <laughs> friends in. So I would say of the options you presented, I would say my tastes probably go more in the modern type look. And I would say in general, when allocating budget towards things, like I don't want to go crazy in spending a lot of funds on the decorative part of this. I want that to go into more, you know, the gear, soundproofing, that kind of stuff. And, um, and that being, so that being said, like, I think we'll have to find a good balance. And when we, when we dive in deep on lighting, like what you described of the pixel lighting and being able to do all kinds of tricks, like that sounds awesome. But I would say that's also an area where like, I think we're going to have to find a balance of what makes sense and what kind of delivers an experience versus, you know, what's just cool and, and costs a bunch of money. So it's, it's all a balance and, and finding the right aesthetic. But I would say in general, it's definitely something more, more modern and, uh, you know, welcoming homey 
and a space that people want to spend time in. Well, and another aspect of that, and of course I'm going to bring this up, is lighting, right? What what kind of theater lighting, you mentioned the effects lighting that uh, with the pixel lighting that Owen mentioned, but do you have any sort of vision in terms of, do you want this to be like, you know, classic theater lighting with sconces? Are you, gonna, are you thinking risers with step lights? I mean, do you have any kind of vision for the sort of thing that you wanted there? I would say this is an area I'm definitely open to influence and, you know, we'll definitely listen to what you guys have to say and go off of that. I would say I don't have any particular preconceived notion. I do like the idea of step lights and things like that from a functional perspective and like a safety perspective too. Like, especially I think it'll probably, you know, if we decide to keep the, the two entrances, you know, if somebody's scurrying off to the back to go use the restroom, like it would be good to not have to draw up the lights to, for them to see where they're going. Oh yeah. Um, you should sound isolate that room too. Yes. <laughs> the bathroom. <laughs> it's, it's not entirely adjacent. So yeah, I don't think that'll be too big of a problem, but I'm just glad you said you didn't say I want a ceiling fan. That's all I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody? Well, never mind. I'm not gonna ask. Maybe don't ask that, that question. <laughs> I just did a theater with windows in it. So, <laughs> so when you say modern, and Owen, oh, I don't know. Like you, you, you've seen a lot of decorate decorative things. When you say modern, you mean like, um, or at least when I think of that, I think of like a flat panel type room, just kind of more of. Uh, not the ornate design one that you see with like the the movie posters put on the wall and that kind of thing. More, I, almost, I call it like contemporary. Yeah, contemporary. Where it's kind of, there, that's yeah. Um, I mean, mine is even more modern again because of all the zigzag stuff. But mine is right. unusual, right? And that's kind of its own little thing. So I think I'm getting the brief that we want. Yeah, we want kind of contemporary modern. Yeah, I think we can do that. You know, cool. that's achievable. Yeah, and I would say you know in terms of other basic stuff. We're going to do luxury vinyl tile throughout most of the basement. But what I've indicated is, I think, from sound perspective, this needs to be a carpeted room. Um, <laughs> yes. For, for those that can't see us, Seth is shaking his head. Yes. I think I scared you, him when I said we're you doing You had luxury. two of us very worried. Yeah. No, no. So, yeah, definitely want carpeting in there. And and I tried. I tried to take even the LVT off the notes completely, but he brought it up anyway. <laughs> no. And like, even when we were looking at design stuff recently in a meeting, they had LVT on some of the walkways and stuff, or they had some areas of the theater that were still LVT. And I just, I knew enough to say, eh, no, all carpet all day long, everything there. And, you know, I think back to soundproofing for a little bit, I would love to get the basics and construction done and then kind of see where we need panels and things like that in the room to further adjust things or, or things like that. So I'm game to do whatever sound absorption we want to do on the walls too. But, you know, I want to see how far we can get with the stuff we're talking about doing and then, you know, use that as a way to augment later to further adjust things. Cool. Well, I suspect that we could probably spend another hour plus diving into that. So I'm going to propose that 
we wrap with that, but maybe also give a little bit of a hint of the other stuff that we'll be talking about in uh, future episodes of this series. Specifically, we already talked about the the screen stuff, but we we didn't really dive too much into projectors. So we'll spend some time talking about projectors and perhaps a little bit more about speakers and speaker options and and the different surround options you might want to consider and just overall AV equipment. You know, we were t- we were talking on the on the high end when we were talking about the Kaleidoscape stuff, but realistically, what kind of AV equipment are you going to want in this place? And and then anything else that you might for want for your uh, gaming or home theater experience. So I imagine that we'll be uh, meeting again a couple times as we go through this experience with you, Adam. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, I will say thank you to all of you for your time and uh, appreciate having having friends who who know things and can help me along this way because i mean i certainly know enough to ask questions and uh not just blindly do everything that people want to do but it certainly helps to have some experts uh to help me along this journey as well so thank you to all of you yeah, no problem anytime yeah this is the this is the fun thing you know spending somebody else's money so any, anytime <laughs> somebody asks me to help them spend their money i'm i'm more than uh, willing to do that so and, and these things are always just really good fun because that's what rooms like this are just four so it's always a pleasure just to take someone around on that journey it's just great yeah you know it's better than working yeah i always say when i get into (laughs) tech or automation discussions or things like that that you know kind of the running joke even with richard and i is that i'm an expensive friend so i feel like this is all of your chance to be revenge revenge on me perfect (laughs) we'll do our best adam don't worry (laughs) <laughs> All right, so why don't we go around and uh, just in closing, kind of have uh, everybody say where uh, where we can find you and uh, if people want to hear more from you between now and the next time we talk further about this. Seth, do you want to kick us off? Sure, I'll, I'll say where you can find me this time. Uh, uh, you can find myself and, and two other awesome co-hosts on uh, the HomeTech.fm podcast, uh, HomeTech.fm. And TJ, you being one of those co-hosts, I'll go next. Yeah, you, you could find you could find me on the HomeTech.fm uh, podcast. You can also find us on our Mastodon server, HomeTech.social, uh, where you can follow you know my business, uh, Instagram and Facebook at ConnectU.Tech. All right, Owen. Cool. So my business is at CinemaWorks, all one word. dot co. dot uk. Uh, I'm also an, a host on a very occasional podcast called Cinema Engineering, and that's at Cinema Engineering. Awesome. Richard? Yeah, you can find me on Mastodon as well at Richard Gunther. And I am an occasional blogger at the Digital Media Zone and also an occasional host of my own show, Home On, over at the Digital Media Zone. I'm the only person you can still find on Twitter, at Adam Justice. I haven't given up yet. (laughs) (laughs) Nor have I, I. I've claimed some Mastodon names, but I haven't. Uh, spent too much time on that yet so uh and you can find my company at connectsense.com and uh yeah so thank you to everybody for joining us and uh stay tuned for next time when we dive further down the rabbit hole of building adam's home theater and spending all his money (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be fun the smart home show is part of technology.fm a collection of tech focused podcasts that includes the home tech podcast I know those guys. 
The Spoon Podcast and Home On. And of course, if you have feedback or if uh, you want to visit our show notes for all of our shows, you can get those at smarthome.fm and feedback to feedback at smarthome.fm. Find us in all your podcast players and do us a favor, leave us a rating or more importantly, tell a friend about the show if you liked it. Thank you.